Well, thank you, choir and orchestra, for leading us in worship through song this morning. On this Sunday before Christmas, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, as we read the conclusion of John's account of the Christmas story. And as you're turning there, I want to remind you that John provides the big picture view of what's taking place at Christmas. He doesn't provide us a lot of the details that Matthew and Luke do. And in this way, we might say that his account of the story is more like a guy's uh, version of the story, whereas generally speaking, women are better at communicating details of something than men are. But John is very intentional here about he's, he's wanting to communicate what's behind the scenes, the big picture view of what is taking place uh, on that first Christmas morning. But before we read the conclusion to this Christmas story, this account, I want to back up and I want us to read uh, what we've already covered in the first three weeks of this Advent message series, verses 1 through 13, in order to set the context uh, for what is presented today. So John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. <clears throat> in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness... But the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Stop right there for a moment and let's pause. Because what's taking place in John chapter 1, in these first 13 verses, is, is John, the author of this this gospel and a disciple of Jesus Christ himself is building to the climax of what he really wants to share. The central truth surrounding Christmas and hopefully the truth that his readers are waiting for him to share and to specifically spell out for them. This sort of reminds me of this little jack-in-the-box that my nephew used to play with and now my daughter plays with over at her grandparents house and when you begin to wind the handle on that jack-in-the-box the music begins to start and build to a climax and then the top pops open and this little jack himself jumps out at you and nearly knocks you off your feet and no matter how many times that you have witnessed that jack jump out, it's still amazing every single time. It still catches you by surprise every single time. And 
And in the same way, the truth that, that we see at Christmas of God coming to us in the form of a baby boy, if we really dwell on it and allow it to soak in, should fascinate us every single time. And this is what's taking place here in John chapter 1. John is building to this climax. As densely packed as verses 1 through 13 are, they, they're only setting the stage for what happened on the first Christmas. So what happened that first Christmas morning? And verse 14 tells us, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning Him. He cries out saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. From the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses... Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only who is at the Father's side has made Him known. The love of God is displayed through the arriving, dwelling, revealing, and giving of Jesus Christ. The love of God is displayed through the arriving, dwelling, revealing, and giving of Jesus Christ. That's the central truth that I believe we can see from this particular passage this morning. So for the next few minutes, let's unpack that. Not necessarily in that order, but in the order that John's gospel presents these truths. Christmas is a celebration of God taking up residence among us. Christmas is a celebration of God taking up residence among us. God dwelling among us. Look back at verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This Word who's God's self-expression of Himself. And here, in this context, specifically referring to the Son of God, Jesus Christ, this one that we've read about already in this, this opening of John's Gospel, who was with God in the beginning, the one who, who created all things, the one who existed from eternity past, the one who is the true light that was coming into the world, and the one through whom... Mankind can be reconciled to its creator. This one, the same word, the same divine presence of God became flesh and dwelt among us. The creator became a creature and lived among other creatures. This is the one that we sing about at Christmas. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king, the master, the almighty God, the 
King of kings and Lord of lords humbled himself and came to live among finite, sinning, broken, lost people. And in order for this truth to to really set in, I think, in the way that Scripture intends, we have to have a little bit of an understanding of how God's presence has, has shown up among people in the past up until this time. Did God normally show up? Did he, did he show up every so often in the form of a man on earth as a creature living among other creatures? And a, a quick survey of Old Testament history says no. This was not the norm. This is not the way that God operated. And for good reason, it, it would have caught people off surpri- uh, by surprise when, when John and others said, this is what has taken place in this man, Jesus. This would be sort of like if, if your grandmother brings pecan pie to every single Christmas dinner, and you know that's what she's going to do. She's, she's always done this. She's done this before she was even born. Certainly before you were born, she showed up at Christmas dinner with pecan pie. That was her dish. And all of a sudden, in Christmas 2013, she shows up with not a pecan pie, but an apple pie. That would be fine. That would be great. That would be dandy. But it would catch your attention because something different has taken place. She's not operated in the way that she's always operated before. And in the same way, on a much greater scale, what's happening here when God shows up takes up residence among people. He is operating in a way that he had never has before. See, the Old Testament clearly teaches that God's presence is not confined to a specific place. In fact, Psalm 139 teaches us that there's nowhere that we can go to escape the presence of God. But even so, even so, when he had called and set apart a people as his own people... He chose to dwell among them in a specific way and in a specific location. Listen to these words, these instructions from the Lord that he gave to his people, the Israelites, in Exodus chapter 25. He says, Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. So God chose to, to operate and to dwell among his people for centuries in a tabernacle, and then later a temple, a permanent version of the tabernacle, a house of worship. He had chosen to dwell in a certain way among his people. And so what's being communicated now in the New Testament, in John chapter 1, John is saying that that same divine presence, that same God, has now shown up in the form of a baby boy named Jesus. Christmas is a celebration of God taking up residence among us. This Jesus is the same one who existed from eternity past. This is the same God that dwelt with His people, Israel, in the Old Testament. And this is the same one that The Apostle Paul wrote about in Philippians chapter 2 when when he told his listeners, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, 
or something to be used for his own advantage, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. This is, this is the one that, that John is saying showed up at Christmas. This is the same one that we sing about when we gather together as the people of God. And it was the love of God that motivated him to come to us in the form of Jesus Christ. This is the one that John says he and his contemporaries had witnessed his presence. We had seen his glory or his goodness the glory of this one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And that's the one and only, it's the one of a kind Son of the Almighty God. He's the Son of God, and, and as the Son of God, he, he shares every attribute of God the Father and has a Father Son relationship with the Father, but This doesn't mean that he was created or born by the Father because he is the second person of the eternal Trinitarian God. Chew on that for a while. That one showed up at Christmas. Christmas is a celebration of God taking up residence among us. And secondly, Christmas is a celebration of the arrival of the true light. A celebration of the arrival of the true light. Now verse 15 in John chapter 1, upon first reading, seems a little bit out of place. And for this reason, many teachers and commentators have chosen to ignore it at this particular part of of John chapter 1 or or deal with it earlier in John chapter 1 with verses 6 through 9 because they speak to that same one. They speak. Speak to this same John who was a witness, who came to bear witness to Christ. So look back up at at verse 6. John wrote, There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Now skip down to verse 15. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I don't think this is a mistake on John's part. I think he knows exactly what he's doing by including verse 15 where he does. There's some translations, and I think wisely so, have understood verse 15 to sort of be a parenthetical notation here as to say, this is the one that, that John spoke of. This is the one that, that he bore witness to. This is the one that you've been waiting on. This is that one. Christmas is a celebration of the arrival of that true light. The one who is greater than John and greater than every man or woman because he has surpassed us by being before us. And he has surpassed us and temporally as in time. He's existed long before us and he has surpassed us in primacy or in importance. 
He is much, much greater than us. This one showed up on the scene in Bethlehem on the first Christmas. Christmas is a celebration of God taking up residence among us, and it's a celebration of the arrival of the true light. Christmas is also a celebration of grace and truth. Christmas is a celebration of grace and truth. Look back at verses 16 and 17. From the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now in short, this is where we get to why this even matters. Why does the Christmas story even matter? Why should it matter for us? And you might be thinking that you know, God arriving among us and dwelling among people is, is nice or important or odd or whatever, but what does that have to do with me? Why should I pay any attention to that this Christmas? And here is the why. This is where the theological truth meets our real life. Christmas is a celebration of grace and truth because grace and truth that impacts your life and my life for all of eternity showed up on Christmas. And a baby boy who became a a young boy, who became a teenager, who became an adult man, all the while embodying the presence of God in the flesh. And we have to be careful here with verses 16 and 17, because if we're not, we're tempted to separate the God of the Old Testament, the God of the Law, and the God of the New Testament. And some have have fallen down this path. Recognize this and, and other places in Scripture to teach that the God of the Old Testament is a, a strict, condemning tyrant. The God of the New Testament is a a loving and gracious Savior. And we cannot fall into that trap because the God of the New Testament is the God of the Old Testament. And the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. This is what John is going to great length and intentionality to make sure that we recognize that. This is the one that existed From the beginning with the Father, that one showed up among us and brought us grace and truth. So, if if that is not what Scripture is teaching, then how do we understand this? How do we understand the law through Moses and grace and truth through Jesus Christ? What's being communicated here by John is that a greater and fuller expression of God's grace has come to us through Jesus Christ. A greater and fuller expression of His grace to which the Old Testament only pointed, only foreshadowed, only anticipated. But it doesn't mean that God was not a God of grace and truth before. In fact, the law itself is an expression of God's grace because it communicates to us His character and His requirements. But it only anticipates the one through whom salvation, eternal salvation, eternal life, forgiveness, and restoration might come 
the one, Jesus Christ. And this can be understood. In fact, verse 16, from the fullness of His grace, we have received one blessing after another. Another way that this can be translated is we've received grace that replaced earlier grace. So yes, the law and the giving of God's Word is an expression of God's grace and His truth. But the grace and the truth that we now have through Jesus Christ is much greater and has eternal significance and the capability of of saving, giving restoration and reconciliation and forgiveness and right relationship with eternal and perfect God. When Jesus came to us, when God showed up among us in the form of Christ, He he didn't come to simply to visit with us. God didn't come on an excursion to earth simply to to look around and to, to see how we operate and to learn about us. His excursion to the earth was not like our excursion in 1969 on a Apollo 11 to the moon where, where we sent astronauts for scientific advancement and discovery. Well, God's coming to earth was on a rescue mission to save us from the penalty and the curse of sin so that we could live and live eternally in the presence of our Creator. Earlier I read from Philippians chapter 2. It talks about the incarnation. God coming to us in the flesh. And now it's an expression of His humility. That, that Jesus Christ took on flesh. The Son of God took on flesh. And that's not the end of the story. You know that. That's not the end of that passage either. Verse 8 in Philippians chapter 2 reads. And being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. And became obedient. Even to death on a cross. In other words, God's purpose of of showing up on earth at the first Christmas was ultimately to go to the cross and to give His life as a substitutionary sacrifice for your sin and for my sin in your place and in my place so that ultimately we could have, by the grace of God, through faith, forgiveness and salvation and a restored and reconciled relationship with our Father through Jesus Christ. Christmas is a celebration of grace and truth. Grace and truth that impacts us and all who will believe in Jesus Christ for all of eternity. And lastly, Christmas is a celebration of God's full disclosure of Himself in Jesus Christ. Christmas is a celebration of God's full disclosure of Himself in Jesus Christ. Jesus was not just a man that that God decided to use to do extraordinary things. Jesus was not just a good teacher, although He was that. Jesus was not just a revolutionary, although He was that as well. Jesus was not just a miracle worker, although He did perform miracles. Jesus was a loving and caring man, but He was much more than that. Friends, don't miss it. Jesus is the fullness of God 
all of God, the fullness of the character of God and the presence of God residing in a man. Residing in a creature who was born on this earth in humble circumstances and lived a sinless life as a boy and as an adolescent and as a man and all for the purpose of giving his life as the only acceptable because the only perfect sacrifice in your place, in my place, on a cross so that we might be saved through Jesus Christ. No one has has ever seen God But God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. When Jesus was teaching his disciples, teaching his followers about the way to the Father, which is the way to eternal life, we read in John chapter 14 that Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. One of my favorite passages that speaks to who Christ is, who Jesus is, comes from Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15, describes Christ this way, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him. And through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Christmas is a celebration of God's full disclosure of Himself in Jesus. Jesus came to reveal the character of God to us. Jesus came to explain God to humanity. And in this way, Jesus has interpreted, exegeted, narrated who God is for us. So if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. If you want to understand the mission of God. What He's about. Look at the life and mission of Jesus Christ who carried out the mission of God on this earth. If you want to experience the love and the grace and the hope, the joy and the peace of 
of Christmas this year and look at the life of Jesus Christ. Christmas is a celebration of that one, of Him. The one in which the love of God is fully displayed in His arriving, His dwelling, His revealing, and His giving. There's no greater picture of the love of God than the person of Jesus Christ. Don't miss the love of God as displayed in Christ this Christmas. Enjoy the family gatherings. Enjoy the the gift exchanges. Enjoy the Christmas songs. Enjoy the football games. Enjoy the eggnog ice cream and enjoy the hot apple cider. But don't you dare allow any of that to overshadow the love of God as displayed in Jesus Christ this Christmas. Because if you do, you, you may still have a good holiday. But you will have missed Christmas. I don't know what you're experiencing in your life now. I don't know where you are physically or emotionally or spiritually. Many of you are grieving the loss of loved ones at this time of year. Others are experiencing illness, serious illness. Still others are perhaps dealing with job loss or a son or daughter who has wandered from the faith. No matter what you're experiencing, even if everything else in in life seems to be going against you, nothing else seems to be going your way, there is reason for all of us to celebrate this Christmas because love came down at Christmas when the King of kings and Lord of lords humbled himself and came to the earth to be born among us all for the purpose of going to the cross to die for us. God has arrived among us, lived among us, revealed the Father to us through Christ and brought grace and peace to us. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for another opportunity to gather with your people to worship you. Lord, we're grateful for the privilege to sing songs of praise to Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. The visible expression, the visible image of of who you are. Lord, we're grateful for for Christ. Lord, we're grateful for this time of year and time to intentionally focus on what it is that you have done for us by coming to us. Lord, we're grateful for that. Lord, I pray that none of us would miss the magnitude of love that you have showed for us, that you have displayed for us through coming to us in Christ. May you be glorified in us this morning. May you be glorified in us today and throughout this week as we celebrate your birth, your arrival among us for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.